0: God is with us, he's a rock of refuge, he's a strength, he's a help. What more can he say, church, to you and to I than what he has said? What could be added that he hasn't filled in and told us about? He's worthy to be trusted and believed and today I pray your strength, uh, you'll find your strength in him and your faith will be encouraged. That's the goal for today. We're gonna talk a little bit about history. I didn't like history in high school. I thought it was kind of boring, you had to learn dates, like what year was the war of 1812, (laughs) stuff like that, that didn't seem very helpful, you know. When I got to college, though, I had to take a, a, a history elective, and I took American history. The prof approached it a lot different, rather than just memorizing things and dates, and he started putting us in the shoes of real people, and what they were facing at certain times in our history, and I found it fascinating. I mean, when you start to look at history more, these are people like us who went through things before us. It starts to, and I hope that's the spirit of which I deliver this to you today. Not the boring kind of history stuff, but we're gonna look at history. Uh, the Bible is divided into sections in the Old Testament. The first five books are called the Pentateuch if you haven 't heard that it 's just a, a, a Greek for five volumes it 's the first five books of the Old Testament it contains the law and then it goes into a series of different books that uh, are called the history books okay books like Joshua and Judges and Ruth, first second Samuel. 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and then Esther. So I'm going to take a message today from the first of those history books, Joshua. Next week, a very different book, but still a history. The last book in the section of the history books, Esther. So we're going to talk today about Joshua, next week about Esther, and then praise the Lord, Pastor Sean will be here. There's a lot you can learn from history. You can learn how people did things with the mistakes they've made, the things that they've done well. It was Sir Winston Churchill who said those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And I think that's why God put history in the Bible, so that we could learn from it, both the good and the bad, the things that, mistakes that were made and those who did it well. We're going to take as our setting today the year is going to be 1400 years before the birth of Christ so add we're talking about stuff that took place 3000 and did I do my yeah 3406 years ago the setting is that the people of god under the leadership of Joshua Moses had died are about to enter into the promised land okay see i started right there and now i got to go back we got to go back even farther promised land. How many of you know that God is a God who makes promises? He's a promise-making God and he's a promise-keeping God. And so I got to show that to you. Don't get discouraged. You're going to have your barbecue today. The introduction is very kind of lengthy, okay, because we're going to review some things together. But we'll get right into Joshua and the story that we're going to focus on today. Trust me. So, I'm going back to the Pentateuch. Really, the center of the Pentateuch is God's call on this man named Abram. He makes a call to him. Okay? And it's found in Genesis 12. Look at it. Well, look at it on the screen. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. There's a call. I'm asking you, Abram, to leave. Leave your family your livelihood, leave your religion, leave everything, and go to a land I'm going to show you. The biggest move I've made in my life has been from Warren, Ohio to Brunswick, Ohio. Some of you have lived all over. You've been. But think of this. God says, I want you to leave everything. That's the call. But he makes promises to Abram. And he goes on, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Has God kept that promise? 3, he, Abraham lived 2,000 years before Christ, so 4,000 years ago, Abraham lived. I'm talking about him today. You know of him today. Has God kept his promise? Has the people of Israel, has God kept his promise? Has he turned out of Abraham a great nation? Oh, yes, he has. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In other words, through one of your descendants, Abraham, I'm going to bless every people on the face of this earth. Guys, you know how that's fulfilled, don't you? Jesus Christ, a descendant of Abraham. It says verse four, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Friends, God Calls us to believe in his promises. That's a big point today. God calls us to believe what he promises. He wants you to take steps of faith. The message today is called Steps of Faith, Stones of Remembrance. We'll get to the stones of remembrance. But the first thing God wants us to do is take steps of faith. He wants us to believe, to trust. Abraham went out. He didn't even know where he was going. Can you imagine? Uh, You know, he tells his family, I'm leaving. Where are you going? I don't know. That's a pretty big life decision to leave everything and not know where you're going. God didn't tell me that. He said he would show me. I'm just going to believe him. Oh, man. See, that's the essence of this whole thing. It's believing God. Because God is worthy to be believed, and he's a promise-keeping God. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please him. For anyone who would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You have to believe in him. You have to believe that he will reward you. And every time you have to take a step of faith, it means you have to leave where you are and go somewhere else. I'm not talking about physically, necessarily. You have to leave where you're at in your spiritual condition. You have to leave that attitude. You have to leave that sin. You have to leave whatever is going on, that discouragement. You have to leave. God says, I have something better for you over here, but you got to leave here. And that's faith. That's what faith is about. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And the Bible says, when they came to the land of Canaan, he led them, he led them to the right land. The land was called Canaan. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. And so Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. See, that's always part of it. God, you told me to leave. You told me you'd show me. Here I am. You brought me here. And Abram said, or God said, "I'm going to give you this land." By the way, Abram, his name means "exalted Father," and God's going to change his name to Abraham, father of multitudes." God changes his name because he knows what he's going to do through him. Now how many of you know that faith is always tested? When you have faith? When you step out in faith, there's always going to be some kind of test. But listen, faith is always rewarded as well. Abraham's faith was tested. And God had said, you know, I'm going to build out of you a great nation. And God had a, said that to him and Abraham had a problem. And he brought it to God. Can I just give that as an application? When your faith is tested, would you bring it to God? Don't sit and stew and complain and go to naysayers and whatever. Bring your bring it to God. Abraham said, "God, you told me I'm going to you're going to build out of me this great nation. Sarah and I can't have children. And right now there's this guy, he's a servant in my house, his name is Eliezer, he's set to be my heir. And God tells him, no, Eliezer's not going to be your heir, you're going to have your own son. And then he takes him outside. God takes him and he says this, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, God said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. I underline this verse. And he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him as righteousness. Friends, this is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Paul quotes this verse in the New Testament. Because a person is made right with God... Not through church attendance, not through religious practice, not through good works, not through keeping the golden rule to the best you can. Righteousness comes to a person when they trust in God. When they believe in him. And Paul applies this in the New Testament to the person of Christ. Those who trust in Christ are saved of their sins. They're made right with God. You might ask, well, how did people in the Old Testament come? Christ hadn't come yet. The same way. They believed the promise of God. And they believed and had faith that someday that Messiah would come. And someday that sin would be paid for. Maybe they didn't put it all together. But listen, this is very important. And another thing we learn from this history is that God is sovereignly working his purposes out throughout centuries. God blows my mind. He's working it out through centuries. Look at, he went on to tell Abraham this. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants th- there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. He's referring to slavery in Egypt. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. And friends, some 200 years later, after God had said these words, that's exactly what happened. How many of you know, Abraham had a son eventually, his name is Isaac. And then Isaac had a son, his name was Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, and one of those sons was Joseph and brothers of joseph were jealous and what did they do to him they sold him as a slave they put him in a pit and they sold him as a slave into egypt but god was with them and god said i'm going to take care of you here it was all in part of god's plan he's working he's always working and so he gives joseph the ability to interpret a dream of pharaoh which in fact saves the nation and other nations from a seven-year-long famine. And Joseph is elevated to the position of second-in-command to Pharaoh. And eventually, uh, he's reunited with his family. He's reconciled to his brothers. His father, who thought he was dead, is, is brought down to Egypt, and they start living there because the famine is still going on, and they're provided for. But what happens? Joseph dies. Another Pharaoh comes into power. He's not predisposed to the Jewish people. He he starts to persecute them and enslave them. And exactly what God said would happen, happened. And listen, I want to tell you something though about faith. Do you know what Joseph commanded the people to do just before he died? This is powerful. He said, when you guys leave Egypt take my bones with you. Take my bone How how do people live like this? This is the people that I want to be like. You know? Joseph says cuz I know someday God's going to give you that land he promised to my dad Jacob and to his dad Isaac and to his dad Abraham. That's going to happen. So when it happens, keep passing the word down. I know it's going to be a while. But whoever's in charge, take my bones. (laughs) Bring them into the promised land. I don't want them resting here in Egypt. I'm a person of the promise. I live by the promises of God. I want to follow God. And so God works it out that for 400 years, over 400 years, 430 years, the Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt. By the way, I keep getting off track, but I'll I'll try to stay on. Some people say, well, why if God is all powerful, why did he let them be slaves for 430 years? There's a verse in in chapter 15 that says he was going to do this because the sin of the Amorites, which was the main group of people in the land of Canaan, the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its completion. He's working over centuries. You know, I can't remember what I did last week. He's, he's working out his purposes over the centuries. But he raises up Moses at the end of that time of slavery. And Moses, uh, miracles are worked through Moses, right? The ten plagues. And you know, Moses is like a type of Christ. God is... Listen, I can't preach this well enough, but I hope you get something... Out of this. God is unbelievable. He's unbelievable. He's beyond what you can comprehend. Moses. What? Moses is a deliverer to take people out of the slavery of Egypt. And lead them into the promised land. And Jesus is the the deliverer who has come to deliver us from the slavery of our own sin. And deliver us into a promised land. Gosh, he's so awesome. but he, He puts a type there. And then the last plague is the death of the firstborn. And God institutes by faith. For the people, it was faith for the people. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm spitting here. I think you in the second row are safe. It's only going halfway to the first row right now. I'm going to try to. But God institutes the Passover. You're to kill the Passover lamb. You're to spread the blood on over the doorposts, and when the angel of death comes, he will pass over you. That's a type of Christ. He's the lamb of God. His blood is to be spread over the doorposts of our heart, and if you appropriate belief in Christ, you will the judgment of God will pass over you. But stay in the house. They were commanded, don't go outside the house this night. God said to the people, don't go outside of Christ. Don't leave him. Don't pursue some other religious philosophy. It's the blood of Christ that will protect you. And finally, uh, Pharaoh lets the people of God go, doesn't he? They leave in haste, but he changes his mind. I know some of you don't get bored. I know you know some of this stuff, but hang in there. He changes his mind, and as the people are going, he sends the army of Egypt after them. They come up against the Red Sea. It's impassable. They can't get by. They can't go forward. They can't go back. But God commands and the Red Sea parts and the people of God move through. And when the Egyptians try to go through and pursue them, the waters come back upon them and they are destroyed. Friends, God took care of them. And he led them to this place called Mount Sinai. And there he gave them laws and commandments. He sent them manna, bread from heaven to eat, water from the rock to drink. The tabernacle was constructed in this time. And it was a place of worship that could be set up and taken down like a portable temple. And they'd set it up and they would worship. And it says the glory of the Lord filled that tabernacle. I mean, if that happened here today, we'd think of fire. We'd all run out of here. It was the presence of God in a cloud. And then he led the people. So when the cloud lifted, they'd pack up everything. Everybody had a job. They'd pack it up. They said, oh, God wants us to move. And they would follow him, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And wherever it settled, that's where they camped. And eventually the people came to this place called Kadesh. Kadesh is just on the southern end, just below the southern end of what the promised land, the land that God had promised. So they're on the verge of entering into that promised land. And this is when a very dark episode in Israel's history occurred. It's recorded in Numbers 13. It says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. I underlined this. Which I am giving to the people of Israel. Does that sound unclear? Is there anything fuzzy about that? Send spies out, not to see if they can take the land. That wasn't the purpose. It was like a reconnaissance mission. Let's see where this this is strong. What's the land like and all that? I'm giving you the land, God says. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So these 12 spies go out, 40 days they look, they come back, 10 of them say, oh, we got a problem. We got a big problem. Hey, the land is wonderful. It's truly everything that you can imagine. It's flowing with milk and honey, but the cities are fortified. And there's like armies there, and there's like like guys that are like giants, and we're like grasshoppers. We cannot, these guys tell the the people this, we cannot take the land. (laughs) We're not strong enough. No kidding. That's the story of the Bible. God does stuff that we're not strong enough to do. Believe him. You know? That's the, you know, and listen this is something too I'm not minimizing our problems but please do not elevate your problems above the unchanging all powerful God I'm not saying he will deliver you it, Job came to a place where he said even if God slays me yet will I praise him if he chooses that's up to him but I, I know he could deliver me Shadrach Meshach and Abednego says our God is able to deliver us from this furnace but even if he doesn't O king I'm not gonna bow down to you that's the kind of people that are in the Bible I want to be like those kind of people so 10 of these guys say we can't do it there's two guys that have a different opinion Joshua and Caleb and they say, listen, no, no. They're trying to convince the people. They can see they're all discouraged by the report. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, people. If God takes pleasure in us, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land. He'll give it to us. Let's believe in him. But the, believe, the people believe the report of the 10. And they, they went so far as to rebel against Moses, against God. They, they, to, they want to pick another leader to lead them back to Egypt. It's like, you know, there's a dark thing about that. Sometimes our, we're, like, we're like animals that want to go back and eat their own vomit. You want to go back. As a result, God has to judge that sin and he says, all right. The, the people had said, you know what? You brought us out here, God, and they're gonna, all our little ones are going to be killed out here. And God says, you thought your little ones were going to be killed out here? No. You didn't believe me, so you're going to, I'm going to keep you in this wilderness for 40 years. One year for every day that the spies were in the land. And you guys who did not believe in me, you're going to die out here in the wilderness, but I'm going to bring your children into the promised land. I'm going to bring them. The ones you said were going to die out here. (laughs) And I sometimes think about Joshua and Caleb. You know sometimes you will suffer for the sins of another. They had to wait 40 years. Wasn't their sin. But others can sin and you can suffer for that, right? Hang in there. Okay, let's get off of that. That's dark. But listen, the 40 years end, okay? Joshua becomes the leader. The wilderness wandering is over. The people who had rejected God have perished there. And now God's people find themselves up on the east side of the Jordan River ready to cross into the promised land across from Jericho. There's a little map here that just shows that. Up at the north there is the Sea of Galilee. Down to the south is the Dead Sea. The Jordan River runs between it. Where that arrow is is where the people were going to cross, okay? And God says to to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the God I love. He's with us wherever we go. We sang today, fear not, I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. I don't know who that's for. It's for all of us, but especially for some of you today. Fear not, God says. I'm with you. That word of the hymns is right out of Isaiah 41.10. So it's really, it's paraphrased a little bit, but it's basically exactly like Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, I am with you. Be not dismayed. I'm your God. I'll still give you aid. I'll strengthen ye, help thee, cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. And so God gives instructions to Joshua, and then he passes them on to the people, and that's the end of the introduction. (sighs) Two minutes later than the first service, so I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speed it up. Joshua chapter 3, so now we're into the history lesson today. Behold, Joshua speaking to the people, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, listen, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. He's repeating a promise that God had made. He says, take the ark and have the priests when they get to the Jordan. Now, the Jordan at this stage is in flood stage. This is not a stream. This isn't something if they kind of hold it up, they're going to get through. It's impassable, just like the Red Sea was and they're to step their feet into the Jordan. Really? Really, God? Can't we just go up here to the, to the bank and then go ahead and just part the water and then we'll go through? <clears throat> no, God says the priests have to step in. Why would God do that? Will, these, will this people... Believe in me. Will they trust my word? Hey, he says the same thing to people in Brunswick, Ohio in 2019. Will these people believe me? Will any of them believe my word, what I say, what I promise? Will they order their lives accordingly? (laughs) Well, the people obeyed. Verse 14 of Joshua chapter 3. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks through this time. The command of God was they had to get in. And I kind of see it as the, the moment that the guy took the first little tippy-toe got wet. The water's parted. I love that more than you, I guess. You're not getting it. <laughs> God says, all you need, people, is just a little bit of faith. Just a little bit. What did Jesus say? Does it take, you have to be some mountain, some person of grandeur, faith. If you will just take a step of obedience to God, even the smallest of step, he will meet you. He will help you. So the priests bearing the ark dipped the brink their feet in the, just the brink of the water. And then verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away. It's actually interesting. It didn't happen right in front of them. They didn't see the heap of water. It happened upstream a little bit. Very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethon, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. God is a promise-making, promise-keeping God, and He works on behalf of those who believe in Him. Hope Church, believe in Him. Trust in Him. But there's something else God wants us to do. He not only wants us to take a step of faith, He wants us to set up stones of remembrance. Look at chapter 4 of Joshua. It says, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight." So Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that it may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. I had a little boy come in. After the first service, you know, we dismissed kids, and he went out in the first service. He came back in. And he says, hey, pastor, what do these stones mean? I said, go ask your dad. He'll tell you. He heard the whole story today. Do you know God wants us to pass on from generation to generation the good things he's done? And God wants us to remember. Isn't it interesting? He commands them to go back to the very place where the priest's feet stood firm. Not anywhere in the river. Just right there. Right where God met you. God wants you to remember the places in your life, the times of your life where he met you, where he helped you. He wants you to set up a stone of remembrance. He doesn't want you to forget. It's to be a memorial forever. I'm going to skip again those scriptures, Charlene, and I'm just going to get right to our applications and we're going to close. Two things I want to leave with you. God wants every one of us to take this step of faith. He wants us to believe. And a stone of remembrance that he has set up for us is the cross. You probably didn't even think about it today, did you? I want you to think of how absurd it is to have a cross there. Would we have a a gurney upon which somebody is executed by lethal injection? Could you ever see a gurney up on the wall? Or an electric chair or a gas chamber? That's an instrument of execution. Ours looks pretty nice. It's got three layers of wood. It's mitered really well. It's got a nice finish on it. But it's a symbol. It's a stone of remembrance that it was a rugged cross upon which Jesus' blood was shed. It was stained with his blood, soaking into the wood. And it was done so to deliver us from our Egypt of sin. And just as the Red Sea and the Jordan River symbolize an impassable gulf, our sins are an impassable gulf that we cannot get through, humanly speaking. It takes the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all friend if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ he's calling you to do that and to step out in faith and trust him as your personal savior somebody here needs to do that you can do that today listen to the call that god has in your heart and take a step of faith and he'll meet you believe in him remember this too unbelief always will lead you to the wilderness unbelief will always lead you back to the wilderness. God doesn't want you there. He's bringing you out of Egypt to bring you to a promised land. Secondly and lastly, a step of faith he wants us to take is to consecrate ourselves. He wants us to consecrate. That word means that we are to set ourselves apart more and more for God, for his purposes. We're willing to turn from things that are not pleasing to him and consecrate ourselves. And As we do so, our stone of remembrance is God will meet us. He will help us. The picture of the Bible is a God who wants to help us in life. Too often we refuse his help. We ignore him. Consecrate yourself. Turn to God. In the story of Joshua, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I want to close with just a few personal stones of remembrance. You probably have many in your life too. A stone of remembrance in my life is the prayers of my mother before I was born. She prayed that one of, if she was able to have children, that one of her sons or children would be gifted in music and would use that gift for the Lord. That's a story she shared with me. It's a stone of remembrance that God is a faithful God. I remember the faith of my parents. These, these are things from my upbringing. When my brother passed away at age 30... That was in 1984, so that's been 35 years ago. He was 30 years old. That's been 35 years. I remember seeing two people in deep pain hold on to God. They're still holding on to Him. They still believe that God is a God who redeems suffering. And then in the picture of eternity, he's going to wipe our tears dry. I believe in a God like that. How about you? That's a stone of remembrance. So when things happen in my life now, I hold, we hold on to God. That's what we do. We may not understand them. But I understand that God is going to work it out. Here's another stone of remembrance. In 1977, oh gosh, that's 42 years ago. I was a student at Youngstown State University studying music. I had received Christ earlier in my childhood, but I really was kind of in a wilderness in my faith. I wasn't walking close with God, and God was working in my heart. And one of the things that he produced in me that I'll forever be grateful for is he said, draw near to me. Start reading the Bible again. Now, he didn't say that in audible Voice. I just sensed that this is, I need to get close to God again. And the way I'm going to do that, he wants me to read his word. I remember skipping lunch. Uh, there was a Bible bookstore about five miles up the road on Market Street in Youngstown. And I walked in. I didn't know. I just said, I'm going to get a Bible. Didn't know anything about it. They had just come out. There was a new Bible being published. It was a study Bible. And it was brand new. It was on a display. And... Uh, This is the one I bought. This is a, I don't use this one too much anymore. It's kind of falling apart. I put some tape on it, now the tape's falling off. But God met me. He helped me. I started to read the pages of this book, and he started to meet me. Every step of faith you take, he'll meet you. He'll help you. And lastly, this Bible will always be a stone of remembrance to me. This is the Bible of my brother-in-law, Jimmy, who had Down syndrome and passed away about three and a half years ago. I just want to show you something here. I'm just going to open it anywhere. Can you see it? He got really bold in Philippians. There's <laughs> about every yeah, he starts getting bolder in Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians. And you know, I know there's a little bit of the fact that he just started underlining, but but don't think for a minute that there's not meaning to it. He read it. I can tell he read it because from which ones a lot of the main verses are underlined. And he used to give me these cards. Did I ever show you these? I don't know if I ever did. He would just write scripture references down, just card after card, he'd give them to me. And he said, It it, it, it may help you in your ministry. (laughs) You know, Jimmy, you're right. It's helping me now, too. Look at the references he wrote. Romans 10:9 If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. Amen. Romans 8:31 What shall we say to these things if God be for us who can be against us? And Romans 15:13 He never knew that was kind of the verse we had chosen for Hope Church. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. These are things that are stones of remembrance in my life. And you know, here's the thing, final thought. Stones of remembrance will help you take steps of faith. And steps of faith will always create more stones of remembrance. Because every time you step out in faith, God meets you. That becomes a thing you can remember how God met you. And then every time he meets you, it encourages you to step out in faith the next time. I don't know where, where God has you in life. Can I just say this? Would you take the next step? Take the next step. He'll meet you. It's in his character to do it. Let's pray. Worship team, would you come? Father, I thank you for time to pause this morning and remember you that you are a promise making, promise keeping God. Thank you that everything you ever promise, you've brought it about. For any person, Who will place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will be faithful to forgive them their sins and give them new life and the gift of eternal life. God, if there's anybody here this morning that senses in their heart that's really what they need, maybe they've been religious, maybe they've had a tradition, but today they know they need a living Savior who loves them, who bled on a cross for them. Would you give them grace? Would this be the stone of remembrance day? They will forever be able to look back to May 26, 2019 as a time when they put their faith in you, Jesus. Just let them do that in the quietness of their hearts, even right now. And for all of us, God, would you give us grace to trust you more? and to consecrate ourselves and to believe and live in such a way that you would meet us as we step out in faith, trusting your word. Whatever you say in your word, help us to submit to it. And there will be blessings and you will meet us and your people will be consecrated to you. I pray that for us here at Hope Church. Thank you, Lord. Encourage these people. Help us to learn the lessons of history, both good and bad, so that we might be pleasing to you. Help us to follow the good. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.